Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Friday, December 9th, 2022. And our top story today, an AI system to predict further complications from diabetes. Joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Dr. Winston Liao is with the University of Houston College of Medicine. Dr. Liao, Winston, great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Happy to be here. We're going to talk about some of the research you and the team are doing in artificial intelligence on, on diabetes. But let's back up a little bit. How prevalent is this disease in our society? I can't help but turn on the TV and see advertisements or read about stories about diabetes. But from your perspective as a researcher, how prevalent is diabetes in our society? Yeah, it's very common. It's about 10% of the population. Uh, people they present with diabetes when they have, uh, they're gaining a lot of weight. Um, if they feel thirsty um, all the time or they're urinating frequently, uh, those are some of the signs of diabetes. Um, and we're just seeing more and more people with diabetes as we have more and more people who uh, have obesity. Yeah, it, it is, it inflicts many and it, and it doesn't have to be one segment of the population, right? I mean, you could be look purely healthy, but have a very high or low blood sugar level. And, you know, again, I'm not a doctor, you are, uh, and you would be the expert, but, but it could affect anybody in our society. Yeah, that's correct. There are different types of diabetes. Sometimes people have diabetes when they're uh, teenagers. Sometimes people have diabetes when they're pregnant. Uh, and yeah, actually, sometimes people can have diabetes and they're losing weight. Um, so that's one of the reasons why it's important to go see your doctor when you're not sure um, whether or not you have diabetes. It's also more common if you have a family history of diabetes. Um, yeah, it, it can definitely affect um, all sorts of people uh, in our population. Uh, it's, it is a condition where th there's too much sugar, where there's high sugar, and that high sugar leads to a lot of complications. So it can cause people to have heart attacks mm. and strokes. Uh, it can affect the really small blood vessels in your body, uh, the blood vessels that affect your, that go to your eyes um, and to your nerves and to your kidneys. And those things can ultimately cause things like blindness and they can lead your kidneys to stop working. Uh, they can cause you to have um, problems with your feet so that you don't feel uh, uh, things in your feet as well. And so you may have a cut or you may have a sore in your foot and you may have no idea that you have them because um, you don't have the same sensation because your sugar's too high. And ultimately people can uh, have amputations uh, from those types of conditions and complications. Yeah, it, it, it really is a burdensome disease. And I know one that people like yourself are trying to detect early and actually trying to treat and cure and stamp out completely. Let's talk about artificial intelligence. And this is the work that you're, you and the team are, are really working hard in. First, um, let's talk a little bit about the system that you developed, or not you, but the team developed. I know it takes a village. It's not just always one person. How can you use artificial intelligence to detect diabetes in individuals? 
Uh, thanks. Uh, we are actually detect, we are predicting those individuals who are going to accumulate uh, complications from diabetes. So there are uh, tools out there that predict who's going to develop diabetes in the future. And we are actually interested in uh, predicting those people who are going to accumulate complications. So the complications that I mentioned earlier, things like strokes and heart attacks and amputations and kidney failure, um, those complications ultimately cause people to die sooner uh, if they have diabetes. And they cause a lot of hospitalizations, a lot of costs, they reduce your quality of life. Um, I have a lot of patients who have these complications and they're just, you know, their quality of life is, is a lot lower. Um, you know, they're pretty miserable. And so if we can do something to prevent them from having these complications, then that's a huge win for the healthcare system. It's a huge win for uh, those individuals. So artificial intelligence, a lot of the applications relate to prediction. So who is going to have specific outcomes that are undesirable in the future? And artificial intelligence lets us um, find those people and intervene before it's too late. And and how do you, um, you know, you, you mentioned identifying. Uh, what kind of data, I mean, is it as simple as looking at blood results? Nothing simple, right? But is it simple as taking and tracking a patient's blood results? Maybe some of the other, uh, some other information about their profile. Is it, you know, artificial is very well, artificial intelligence is very well known to assist in speeding up data collection and data analysis. So is that the case? And is it looking at some of these, uh, the blood history? We are actually looking at records like health records, and these include demographic information about our patients. Uh, we actually received a, a very unique data set from partners from Humana which is a national payer. Yep. Um, so this is a data set that includes nearly a million people with diabetes across the country. Um, so it, it gives us a lot of information about their diagnoses, the medications that they're on, some of their lab tests. We also were very interested in their social risk factors. So these are social and behavioral issues that may be influencing whether or not their diabetes is under control. Things like uh, whether or not they're lonely or whether or not they have access to food in which neighborhoods that they live in. And we think as researchers that uh, those social pieces of information are very important uh, for us to come up with a artificial intelligence tool that is highly accurate. Um, in the past, a lot of artificial intelligence tools didn't have access to these types of data. And now that we're collecting these types of data, we think that they're going to make our predictions that much better. Yeah, absolutely. Winston, I need to take a very quick break, but I want to talk more about this. When we come back, we'll talk more about using AI to predict complications from diabetes. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, 
the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you over 50? Would you like to get up to 33% more income in retirement? Then call now for this free book, Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers. This free book reveals little-known secrets about annuity strategies that will help you make the right choices before buying an annuity. Call right now for your free book. And as a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report, both absolutely free, for calling Annuity General today. Call 800-504-8194. Winston, thanks so much for staying with us. Really appreciate you hanging around for segment number two this morning. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, this is this is really an, um, very important. I mean, there are a lot of Americans, as you said, 10% of the population suffering from diabetes, and some may know and some may not know. Uh, let's talk about um, the broader applications for your uh, for this tool. And and you said that you're partnering with a major healthcare provider or or payer in Humana. Uh, where do you see this tool? Uh, Fitting is it something that would fit with other insurance companies, uh, payees, payers, in order to better identify costs for for health insurance? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I also want to uh, thank our funder, uh, the American Board of Family Medicine, uh, and so they're another one of our partners. Yep. Um, and so we're actually using data from Humana, um, and then we're also going to use data from the American Board of Family Medicine. They have a data set that combines a lot of electronic health records um, throughout the country from family medicine clinics. And so we're going to use that data as well to um, to develop our AI prediction tool. But to answer your question, um, we think that our current system is very reactive. So in medicine, we often increase our uh, medications or we intervene after bad things have already happened. So somebody has a heart attack and then as physicians and uh, the entire healthcare team, we say, oh, well, now we need to start all these other medications. We need to uh, help you stop smoking. We need to help you increase your exercise. Uh, but the bad thing has already happened. And so with artificial intelligence, we think that we can flip this on its head. We can turn our system into a system that is more proactive. So we are um, proactively identifying the people at high risk and intervening before uh, things get bad. And, and, and when you say intervening, I mean, you're, you're providing them with this data and saying you may want to get tested, you may want to take the steps necessary, you're at a higher risk 
than somebody else in the population, you may want to think about because of X, Y, and Z. It's not like you're just saying, okay, you got to go to the hospital right now, right? It's, it's, it's really just letting them know and making them aware. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, diabetes is one of those conditions where we actually have a lot of great medications and we have a lot of great programs that are effective. And it's just a matter of getting those interventions to the right people at the right time. And so there's medications we can start early. There are programs uh, that connect people to diabetes education, uh, to people like community health workers. And all of these programs have been shown to be effective at helping people with diabetes achieve better control. Winston, uh, before we, I want to get back on the subject of, of your of next steps, but I want to ask you, are there particular foods, for example, that we should avoid? Like, for example, Saturday, I had two scoops of vanilla ice cream and some whipped cream. Is that going to put, put me at higher risk or um, is it a multitude of factors? It's not just what you eat. It's, it's uh, how, you know, your exercise, the weight you carry and other things. It is a multitude of factors, but what you said, I think, is really important. Um, it, it is a lot of high sugar, high starch food. So uh, things like pastas and breads and rice, um, soft drinks, all those things can make a, a big difference on your sugar. So even just being aware of how those foods affect your sugar is really important. Uh, and then, like you said, exercise is really important too. There's a lot of studies that uh, document how even a brief amount of exercise after you eat can lower your sugar. And the act of knowing that your sugar is lower is important. You know, I think that's really empowering. People can see the effect of these small habits, um, how, how those habits have an effect on your health. And, the, and those are tests or things that you can have your primary care physician do as part of a, a lab panel. And I would think that, per, you know, in the spirit of proactivity, that some of these things are perhaps covered. You need to check with your individual insurance provider, but tests like that would be covered um, so as to be proactive, I would think. That's exactly right. Um, and I'm at the University of Houston. We have uh, a model where we have primary care physicians working alongside behavioral therapists, uh, who are also an important part of the team. People like dietitians uh, are also important because uh, when you have a comprehensive team that is looking after you, they can provide you with a lot of recommendations for how do we treat this, uh, what you're going through and give you the tools you need to lead a healthier life. Uh, last question. Uh, we're not giving this, you know, we only have about 20, 25 minutes, so we're not giving this as much time as it probably deserves. But let's talk about some next steps when it comes to your research. You already, you've got some great data sets from your partners, your funders. Um, but what, what's next? Is it a more testing and then a more broad rollout to, uh, to continue testing or actually move in the production? Yeah, that's exactly right. We, just started our grant. And so we are actually in the process of developing and testing uh, our tool. And once that tool has been tested, we'd, we'd like to implement it into clinics and see whether or not if um, doctors have access to this tool, if it means that their patients are actually going to do better. And then eventually we'd like to expand this to other conditions. So as a family physician, I deal with all sorts of 
issues ranging from depression to cancer to um, to heart attacks. And so there's lots of things that we could do to uh, a lot of outcomes that we can predict that are important to patients. And so we don't want to just stop with diabetes, although we think diabetes is really important, but there's a lot of other uh, outcomes in primary care that we would like to prevent. And we think that this type of tool will help us get to the, the type of system that we know that patients deserve. Last question. I, I know I said the last one was the last one, but as you were talking, it made me think, you know, we talk so much about smartwatches and wearables. Does that eventually get, you know, I know I've read stories where not all practitioners use, like those, those devices carry a lot of data, but they're not always used by practitioners. Uh, d does the future uh, of artificial intelligence include maybe the data collected from your polar monitor or your Apple watch? I want to make sure I cover most, a lot of the, your Fitbit. I want to cover some of the brands so I don't get yelled at. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. Um, there's a couple of schools of thought. One is that the data that we're collecting from these smart devices, uh, some of the information is very useful and some of it is, is noise. So some of it is not that useful. And so we're trying to figure out as physicians and researchers um, how we can best incorporate that data to make better decisions. Um, in general, the artificial intelligence tools thrive off of data. So when they have more data, their predictions tend to be more accurate. That's in contrast to our experience with a lot of um, devices that collect continuous feeds. And historically, um, those types of approaches have not been that helpful, at least to primary care. So oftentimes in the past, when we've collected a lot of data, uh, it's it's hard for physicians to know what do we do with that data and how do we act on it? Is it accurate? Um, and, and so I still think that this strategy of collecting all you know, different types of data outside of the clinic is one that is very promising, but also needs to be studied rigorously. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Winston, we're going to leave it there and, and you know, really appreciate you coming on the program. Really great research by you and the team. And look, we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon to provide an update. Thanks a lot for having me. I also want to thank all of the members of my research team, all my colleagues uh, here at the University of Houston and at the American Board of Family Medicine and at Humana. That wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, someone you think we should talk to. Drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more and all in one place. Check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, we'll visit our website and of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for BRN Weekly. We'll be taking a look back at some of our best segments for the week. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. 
All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts, so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.